0: Vodka, 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 Vodka O'Clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love and you are listening to Vodka Talk Podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. Don't forget, you can sponsor the show. Just go to Patreon.com slash Amber And you can pledge as little as $1 a week. It's pretty great. And I really appreciate all that support. So joining me today is um, my personal friend, one of my besties, and you probably know her from all the different Comic-Cons around the country. It's the geeky redhead, Kate Foyle, joining me for the first time today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) So you are a Southern transplant up here (laughs) in for school and usually immersed in Dragon Age. Usually, yes. (laughs) Um, Sometimes in comic books.
1: I am a lot happier in the world of Thetis than I am in the real world. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. And you also spend your time cosplaying. So I wanted to to talk to you about that. Um,
1: if I'm not killing dragons, I'm probably sewing. <laughs> right.
0: And what makes uh, Kate's approach really interesting uh, is because she can, you know, sew things from, you know, scratch or she goes to the thrift store and buys things and then turns them into completely new things, which is pretty cool. So where and when and how do you discover a love for video games and comics?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, so comics started uh, actually when I was really young. It's um, kind of a weird story. Uh, it, when I was like eight is when I can first remember going into a comic book store. But it kind of sucked for me because I can – it was almost like it was calling me, which is going to sound really silly. But it was just like I was going in. I knew that there was something in there that I wanted. But the comic book store guys would never talk to me. They would never help me figure out, like, age-appropriate comics or anything like that. They just kind of looked at me weird, and I would flip through the bins, and I would see mostly naked women on the covers. And I'm eight years old. They weirded me out, you know? Maybe an eight-year-old boy would have had a different reaction. I don't know. <laughs> but right. for me, where I was in the, in my life, seeing Vampirella and stuff like that was just not what I was okay with. So I would leave feeling disappointed, but I would keep coming back because I would see things like the Predator in the window. And I'm like, I love the Predator movie. There must be things in here that I like. Why can I not find them? I know they're here. So it wasn't until I got into college, and it was actually through Oracle, the character that I think a lot of people know me for, that I started getting into comics, and it was this kind of weird thing. Someone just mentioned offhand to me that Batgirl had been paralyzed and was Oracle now, and I started Googling the character. Actually, I don't know if Google existed then, but whatever. I started looking up on the internet. (laughs) And from there, I found out about her relationship with Nightwing and started just reading the story arcs that had happened. And it, well, actually, I should back up because there was also Spider-Man and Mary Jane. I was obsessed with the Spider-Man movies, the ones with Tobey Maguire. And yes, I know having no, knowing all that I know now, I know that they were not accurate, but I loved it. And that was when I started dying my hair red to look like Mary Jane. But um, I didn't go into the comic book store until I started reading about Oracle and Nightwing. At that point, I was able to go in and go, I want 80s, 90s Spider-Man, and I want Oracle and Nightwing. And that was when the comic book guys started to actually help me find what I wanted. And there, that was when I, I kind of began to understand this world that I was fast becoming addicted to. And. Your um your experience
0: there in the retail environment, do you think that it was that maybe they just saw a kid who didn't have any money so they didn't want to pay attention to you? Or, um, you know, was maybe seeing you at a much older age something like, oh, hey, here's a girl we can flirt with. Let's, you know, get her some birds of prey.
1: I don't know. Because whenever I would go into the comic book stores, I would actually go in with my mother. I never came in alone. So... There was an adult who could pay for things. There was a sale there. I don't know if it was because I was a girl. I don't know if it was because I was a kid. I honestly don't know. Or maybe it was just because, you know, 12 years ago, maybe there just wasn't a lot that you could show an eight-year-old girl, you know? I, I, I really don't know. Um... When I would go in in my early 20s, definitely they were trying to flirt with me. There is no no question there. And they were patronizing to a certain extent. Um, The first time I went in and picked out my own stuff without any help, the guy who checked me out um, looked at all the titles and basically approved them and then kind of smirked at me and was like, oh, you don't even need me anymore. And... You know, like, it should have been a cute moment, but it wasn't. I felt very patronized. Instead of
0: taking in the opportunity to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's an open opportunity there. And, uh, yeah, he kind of blew it. Yeah. Why, why do you um, feel this uh, attraction and connection to Barbara Gordon and to Mary Jane? Like, what's special about about them that you felt um, was compelling enough to even research them?
1: With Mary Jane, um, it was her duality. You don't see it as much in the movies, so I'm not sure how it grabbed me. But especially in the comics, you have this woman who everyone thinks is this big party girl, and all she does is party, and then when you find out more about her, you find out she comes from a very broken home, she's miserable, um, she has stayed in actually shelters, you know, trying to get everything together. Um She's very good at the mask, and very good at putting on this face, and everyone thinks that she's perfect and happy and wonderful, and she's not, she's sad, and it's hard for her, and it's hard for her to even be in a relationship, because it's hard for her to deal with being happy and being loved because she doesn't have a lot of experience with it. When she finally gets to like see her dad again, the dad's just trying to use her to steal stuff. It's it's crazy. You know, like Peter has to propose to her like three times because she just cannot handle it. And, you know, that was something that I could really relate to on a personal level. Um, I have always been, a woman where people always have thought that my exterior was very nice and very happy. And when you get past the surface, there's, there's, there's a lot more going on and it's not always as happy, shiny, pretty with Barbara. It's just her ability to survive. And that's also Mary Jane too, but there's something very visceral about the transition from Batgirl to Oracle and the killing joke she just, it, it never really slows her down. I mean, yes, it bothers her. Of course it's going to bother her. You don't get shot in the spine and strip naked and not have scars from that, but she takes this thing that happens to her and becomes even better than she was. She goes from being Batgirl, you know, kind of Batman's apprentice and named after him to this incredibly intelligent, I mean, she was always intelligent, but incredibly powerful hero in her own right and she doesn't have to even leave her house to do it she can sit there and drink tea and ruin villains lives with a few keystrokes i love it
0: so when people say that um female fans who go to the superhero movies and then want to go to comic-con aren't real fans and stuff because they don't read the comics i hate them (laughs) So, you know, the movie's got you interested okay. in Spider Man. Oh God, yes. And you know, and we have yet to see um Oracle on the big screen. We've sort of seen Barbara Gordon, I guess, it was really Barbara Pennyworth. Yeah. They changed her they changed background a bit.
1: We don't we don't ask me about that movie. <laughs> I go okay. crazy when I talk about that movie
0: but at least she was there. She said she's had more time than wonder woman on the
1: big screen. This is true. true. So uh, what was your first convention? My very first convention was, um, technically what the hell con, which is a very small convention that my old college used to put on Guilford college. And, um, I think it's still going, but I'm, I'm, I haven't been in a while. Uh, the other one was Heroes Con down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I will be there again. I'm very excited. Uh, met a lot of really good friends there. Um, I wore Mary, the first appearance, Mary Jane. Uh, <laughs> then it was Dragon Con. I kind of went and jumped in, into the big league. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've never been to Dragon Con. That's like, you know, that's where you go for cosplay. That, unless you, you know, go to Japan or something. But yeah. Um, (laughs) But definitely. Like, Dragon Con, I love looking at Dragon Con pictures. All right. But Herocon, I've always heard such great things about. And um, since you had, you know, sort of a, I don't know, not the best comic pop experience until maybe... (laughs) you got to know other people at different comic shops what um what sort of problems have you had at conventions because i know we've you and i have had this discussion offline so um i know that you've worn all kinds of outfits you've got this full covered back girl outfit like head to toe only your chin is showing and you've done poison ivy which is basically like a a corset and pantyhose (laughs) yeah um, and you've done Shira and Mary Jane, um, steampunk versions of Oracle. So you've done all these different, different styles, different levels of covering. So what kind of experiences have you gone through with those? You know that kind of variety.
1: Um, I have found that the more of me that is covered, the more I get harassed. Particularly if my face is covered. If there is a mask going on, I think it's, and I don't think it's conscious, but I think that if there's a mask going on, I am being dehumanized and people think that it's okay to do whatever they want Um, because the, the outfit that I get sexually harassed in the most is my classic Batgirl where I have got the long yellow gloves and the tall yellow boots and I have a cow going on, and literally the only skin that you can see is around my eyes and my chin. And that's it. Um, I've had people come up and try to grab my breasts in that costume. I have, um, I've had people come up and just make all kinds of comments. It's really crazy. Um, Usually, actually, when I am wearing very little I am actually safer, and I think it's maybe because it scares people on some level, um, which is a shame because it shouldn't. I don't think I don't think me undressed is a particularly frightening thing. You know, I'm not the most attractive woman in the world, but you know, I, I don't think I'm particularly frightening. Um, although I, I I will say that last year at Dragon Con, um, I wore my Scarlet Witch, which is fairly revealing of the bust line. It was actually a very big deal for me to wear it because I've had a breast reduction and it took me a long time to come to terms with my scars, and I used to always hide them. Like, every costume I wore, you had, had to hide the scars because I was just very embarrassed by them. So I finally wore Scarlet Witch and just owned it and had accepted, and not accepted, but realized that my scars are not nearly as bad as I think they are. And this guy was noticed them to start with, which is whatever, they are there. Someone with sharp eyes are going to see them. It's okay. But he comes up and he thinks that they're breast implant scars. I'm not offended by the idea that I might have implants because I'm still fairly busty, even though I've had a reduction. But I explained to him, no, these are not augmentation scars. And even if they were, why are you asking me? (laughs) Uh, But he would not leave it alone. He kept asking me about implants and telling me that his wife wanted to have implants and just would not believe me that they were reduction scars, and even when he was believing me that they were reduction, not augmentation, he just kept talking about it and would not accept the answer that they're really two completely different surgeries with different recovery time, and asking me about my reduction experience is in no way relevant to an augmentation. And at one point, he even dragged his poor wife into this, which to her complete and utter credit, she shut him up and got him to go away. But it was very strange.
0: That's embarrassing it, that's, you know, that's a, a guy at least he didn't invent the tape. I mean she really did exist yeah
1: and 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 I mean i I want to think that he just legitimately had no idea how uncomfortable he was making me, but it was very uncomfortable I ended up going and um hiding behind the photographers and I totally want to give props to the Dragon con photographers if you tell them or at 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 least the ones that run the big shoots, if you go tell them that someone's making you uncomfortable, they will take care of you. They will make sure that you are okay. So I just kind of went and hid behind them for a little while until he went away.
0: Yeah. And the same um, goes, I I think I said this either it was on Twitter or Facebook or something when people were talking about convention safety. Um, You know, sometimes if you just are in artist alley or at the vendor area, Tell somebody who's, you know, working at a table right. that, that you need help because, you know, they're there, that, you know, if, as long as it's not one of them, no. you know, but, hey, it's, a, you know, it's an odd way to make friends, but to just, you know, go up to somebody's table and, and, and beg them to just say, please, can I just stand by you for 10 minutes? I can't walk over there because of this creepy guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an unfortunate part of conventions and any big, huge gathering. And it's not a a comic book thing. It's not a video game thing. I mean, this stuff goes on at tech trade shows. It uh, it goes on everywhere. So, I mean, you could probably go to a dentist convention (laughs) and this would happen.
1: I do Uh, make sure that I tell people who are going to cons for the first time to remember that this is a group of people that's several thousand strong. And it doesn't matter what kind of people they are. If you get... Any group of people and put a thousand or 5,000 or like with Dragon Con, hundreds of thousands of people in one group, you are going to get predators. It does not matter what it is. It could be a gathering of, I hate to say it, it could be a gathering of rabbis and Orthodox Jewish and there's going to be some jerks in there. It's really sad, but whenever you get a huge group of people, there's going to be not nice people.
0: Right. And, you know, that's why um, it's important to make friends. And yes, you should be able to attend things alone. But, you know, it's nice to know that even if you're, you're, you're feeling alone or you're feeling panicked or if you're just feeling unsafe or something, if you don't have a hotel room that you can just run back to. Um, like I said, you know, it's, once you get into cosplay, you end up making a lot of friends really fast. So it's usually uh, easy to find people who will just kind of, you know, watch your back. All
1: right.
0: And regarding your cosplay choices, one of the things, um, you know, you just mentioned, um, you know, groups of rabbis. So <laughs> I would ask you, um, I know that um, one night a week, at least, you always wear a type of hair covering um, for your own, you know, religious pursuits, and yet I know a lot of conventions happen on the weekends, obviously, yes. so um, I, I've seen pictures of you as that girl at Shabbat, yes. um, so... Um, I was wondering how you incorporate cosplay with your religious uh, life and how you intertwine them and make sure that you're still following the guidelines you set for yourself.
1: Okay. Um. Well, kind of the sort of answer that I, I'm, I'm kind of going to explain why I cover my hair uh, because it is somewhat unusual for Jewish women, particularly for unmarried Jewish women, and I am unmarried. Um, traditionally, especially in Orthodox communities, um, Jewish women will cover their hair once they're married. Um, But Jewish men are kind of supposed to cover their hair all the time. They wear a little kippah, which most people have seen. It's a little circle, and they stick it on the back of their head. Um, I have decided as part of my observance to cover my hair during holy days. Part of this is because I typically have to work. On holy days and you're not really supposed to so when I cover my hair it helps to remind me that it's a separate day and that it is the Sabbath or it's Yom Kippur or whatnot Um, for conventions I try to wear a character that either requires a wig or a kind of a headpiece like my bat cow on from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday I don't always succeed at this, but it is my goal. Um, I do typically bring, uh, challah, which is the bread that we eat on the Sabbath and, um, Shabbat candles to conventions. And I'll have a little, and, and, um, grape juice because I don't drink alcohol. Um, and I'll have a little mini Sabbath in my hotel room that a lot of my non-Jewish friends attend because they like my, because they like my uh, chocolate chipala. (laughs) So, um, and I've seen
0: these pictures of, you know, Dragon Con Shabbat going on. Yeah. Um,
1: so it's fun. Um, it's it's definitely not a traditional Sabbath service. Um, I am definitely more of modern, like conservative, conservadox orthodox. Um, we I I don't really have a good word for 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 what I practice. Um, but I definitely try to keep the spirits with me, when I am out and about.
0: And uh, I only recently, I don't know why it took me this long, you know, like knowing the people that I do, but I didn't realize that Purim has costumes involved in it. Yes.
1: And, oh, my God, it's fun.
0: <laughs> so a friend of mine um, it works in, I think she works in the library, actually, of one of the Jewish schools in New Jersey, so she was telling me a little bit about it and how much fun it is and how she dresses up. So I thought, how did I work for Jewish people all my life and never know this? Like, what, you know, how did this happen? Does this
1: mean that you haven't seen the photos of me reading at the Bima dressed as bad girl? Because they're amazing.
0: Yes, I have. And I didn't know what that was, what that was from.
1: Yeah, um, my rabbi used to call me up to the Bima as Barbara Gordon.
0: Because I know you've got a very cool rabbi. So
1: yeah. My rabbi is the best rabbi. <laughs> I will go on record as saying that. Um, rabbi Yureki in West Virginia is the coolest rabbi in the world. <laughs> so, I mean, how,
0: like, it could be any costume? Or is, there, you know, is it supposed to be some sort of, like, you know, meaningful character? Like, you know, you have this connection with Barbara, so...
1: Um. There are certainly costumes that would probably be considered bad taste to wear to the synagogue.
0: <laughs> okay, so no poison ivy there.
1: Um, but, it, but I mean, it would depend on your synagogue. Um, But the idea is really that everything is topsy-turvy. Basically, the idea of Purim is that everything is crazy and upside down. Um, It's one of the few Jewish holidays where we're actually allowed to get married. We typically uh, do not like to mix good things. We like each good thing to have its own day. So we're not allowed to have like dual weddings and we're not supposed to get married on holidays because you're supposed to enjoy the wedding to its fullest and then you're supposed to enjoy the holiday to its fullest. But Purim is one of the few ones where you can get married on a holiday. Which is why when I get married again, if I ever get married again, I really want to get married on Purim. <laughs> Cause when, but um, it's, it, it's typically just weird. Like uh, men will sometimes dress as women to the synagogue. Uh, Rabbi dressed as Thor one year. And, um, you get these noisemakers that, that, that you shake to drown out the, uh, villain's name during the story. And so I got the awesome view of Rabbi Thor lifting Molnir <laughs> and, uh, putting the button and, and, uh, hitting the button to make the, uh, lightning noise.
0: That's fantastic. It was
1: amazing. I loved it. Best thing ever.
0: <laughs> now, have you, um, read, because I haven't I haven't read it yet, uh, The New Ms. Marvel with Kamala Khan. I'll
1: read a little bit of it. I need to read more. Um, I and, and I have no excuse because a friend actually sent me um, the first trade of it and I read a little bit into it and love it. Oh my god, I love it. The only reason I haven't finished it is because I am in school this semester and it's been a really rough semester. But she looks so awesome. I am in love with it cool
0: so is there i mean it's one of those things where it's like she's become this uh iconic character because i and at the same time it's like she's she has to represent all muslim women she's the only one so uh you know how do you feel with you know faith being represented in a character i mean other people are sort of like up in arms i guess but other people are embracing this
1: love seeing characters that actually identify with their faith um i do think it's hard though because no one can perfectly embody a religion nobody not even a faith leader everyone has their pitfalls and everyone has their weaknesses i mean kind of in my circle of friends i'm sometimes you know the quote-unquote token jew and you know it It's it's very difficult to feel like you have to represent a lot of people, particularly if you are not necessarily typical of the faith, you know. Um, But I do think that representation matters a lot. And so I do think that it's good that we have this awesome female character who's very strong and does actually like her faith and embraces her faith and is trying to make her faith work. Uh, one of my other favorite comics, um, Love and Capes, the characters are Catholic, and it gets mentioned. It's not a huge part of it, but they mention going to Mass, so it is obviously a thing that they do. Um, it is a part of their life, and, you know, religious service does affect your life. There are things that you do and things that you go to at particular times, and it's it's nice to see characters going and doing these things it gives you something that you can relate to it's interesting depending on how how it's worked into
0: the storyline um like daredevil i don't know uh, I, i just started watching this show but i've only read some of the comics very few of them so i'm not very well read in daredevil but um you know like he's he often like seeks council with a priest and a cow's kitchen so it's supposed to be like the Irish Catholics and um, but then there's like Magdalena and the Huntress so um, certain characters it's really like a part of who they are even as a superhero and it it sort of like goes against it because it's like oh but you're you're hurting people you're violent and you know but there's supposed to be a sense of justice
1: and I, I do think that it depends on how it's done. Um I have seen characters where I'm looking at it going, you only made them ex religion because you wanted to slap a coat of di- of diversity paint here, you know? But when it is a well done character and it feels organic to them and it's more like more like their religion is part of them. They're not defined by their religion, if that makes sense. I really like it.
0: Yeah, well, and well, I suspect that it's uh, it opened some doors. I mean, that's one of the things about Kamala Khan. Yeah. Is how, um, I, I guess if the book had just been terrible and tanked, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be seeing this effect. But uh, the fact that it, it got known for quality. I mean, good, good calm you know, really makes a difference. I mean, you could probably write, uh, if you had the character sheet and you took those traits and just like had had a terrible writer and a terrible artist, you know, this might not be the success that it is. And, you know, because people would, you know, I don't know. Plus, she's a teenage girl and, you know, she's trying to be a teenage girl. Yeah,
1: I did really like how in the first issue she was dealing with Choices that teen girls have to actually deal with, like should I sneak out of the house and go drink? That's that's a problem that teenagers have. It's something to think about. There was there was a um, Spider Man comic, um, a, a Ultimate Spider Man comic, where Peter and Mary Jane sat down and talked about should we have sex? And I like giving teenagers these examples of actual decisions that you have to deal with. Yeah, I do, too. Um, and,
0: and I like when they can take things that are usually tropes and kind of um, make them make them a better story. Yeah. Not, not all good girls need to be raped to lose their virginity, you know?
1: I do not like that.
0: That is a bad trope. So you're going to have to fill me in on the video game world. Uh- <laughs> I have not seen Dragon Age. Or- <gasps> oh! We got to fix that. (laughs) Um, Why is this exciting for you? Why is Dragon Age like, you know, where you immerse yourself?
1: There's a lot of different reasons. Um, I think, well, to start with, I like any game where I can be female and I can pick. I also like any game where the women wear sensible armor. You're here. Yeah. And I also like any game where I can throw fire and hit things with swords <laughs> and see lots and lots of blood. Going to be honest there. Um, so when the Dragon Age series started, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to remember. and I'm going to sound like such a bad game right here. I do not remember the year, but it must have been around 2009, 2010-ish. Um. When it first started, the reason that I actually started playing it was because I found out that you can have a, not not only a gay or lesbian romance, but you actually got a sex scene. I mean, it's not like X-rated, you see stuff, but, you know, the, you got to see them kiss and hold each other. And that made the news, at least the gamer news, and it might sound a little weird, but that made me interested in the game because I'm just like, well, this is new, and so I started playing it and it's just as like as soon as I loaded, I was just hooked. Cause I, I, I got to be this really strong female. There were multiple different origin stories and there were, there are multiple different, um, like backstories that you can kind of give your character. Like my, my thing in Dragon Age Origins was I was always a daily shelf and I got to pick kind of whether or not I had a romance with my first little companion, which I always Ended up picking that I did because I'm a because I'm a sap like that. But anyway, <laughs> you got a bunch of different origins, um, different decisions that you made would have little subtle impacts throughout the game. Um, and then Dragon Age Two came out, and Dragon Age Two is definitely like the weaker one of the series. But I am one of the few who still actually really likes it and has played it a lot. I like the gameplay better of Dragon Age Two, but I like the story of Dragon Age One better. Um, Dragon Age 2 just makes me laugh and then Felicia Day did an expansion for it and her character is just amazing and hilarious um, the romances in Dragon Age 2 were also kind of fun too um, and then when Dragon Age 3 came out I just it, I was so scared because I thought you know it's, there's no way that it can be as good and it's better now Dragon Age 3 has it, it's got the RPG it has amazing romance options. You have gay and bisexual characters and heterosexual characters. In Dragon Age 2, they were all bisexual except for one. In Dragon Age 1, they were either straight or bi. And in Dragon Age 3, you have characters with very set sexualities. You and you have a diverse array. It's 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 a little bit more true to life in that way and then you also have a transgender character. Unfortunately, they're not a romanceable companion, but you have a transgender character and it's actually talked about um in a very positive way and so it, it's just a thing that keeps getting better and better. Um, you know, I liked my companions in Dragon Age 1, I liked my companions in Dragon Age 2 and I really love the companions in Dragon Age 3. Dragon Age 3 is one of the had some of the healthiest romances that I've ever seen um in, in any genre. Bar none. Um and then you get to run around and stab dragons and <laughs> affect the world events and save the world and look at pretty dresses. I'm what's not to love here?
0: <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I mean it sounds pretty remarkable. <laughs> But now, okay, so if I type in, um, you know, Dragon Age into a Google yeah, image search... Yeah, one, so. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously there's going to be a million different kinds of
1: Yeah. Things.
0: You know, like, right away, one of the first images, though, is this woman with, like, her boobs hanging out. Uh,
1: Which one is it?
0: <laughs> I mean, this is Origins that popped.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and she's in sort of, like, a red hood kind of thing. Oh, that is
1: Morgan. And Morgan is cool. All right. So, um...
0: Zoom in bigger. I can see she's kind of got a bikini top on that she's trying to wear. Yeah.
1: that is Morgan. Um, Morgan is this character who takes no shit from anybody. Uh, she grew up outside of civilization. She is. Like I want to say, she's 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 the bitch in the party. She's. It's more that she's the pragmatist. Um, and she will do what needs to be done regardless of emotion. And she's not very good at emotionally connecting with people. Um, she's also the only one in your party in Dragon Age 1 that wears anything like that. But she is a very story important character. And she becomes important again in Dragon Age 3. I'm not going to say what happens because I, cause the whole spoiler thing but she is important again um she is a romance option in dragon age one uh but it's kind of funny because she doesn't do love very well so it it's it's this thing of kind of like a there's a mutual attraction and you can consummate but then when she has feelings she's like nope i'm out it's 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 but then she'll come back It it's I know how her outfit looks, but she's also a mage, so she doesn't wear armor. Uh, Your other female in the party wears armor for the most part, unless you deliberately put her in a tiny little thing. Um, But even the tiny little thing is more like a Wonder Woman type outfit. You get a little, like, knee-length, oh, what's the name? It's like the Roman armor where where, where, where you have the leather flaps, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, like a, like a gladiator style? Yeah. She, you get more like a gladiator style, and the men wear that too. And then you, I think you may get a little bit of midriff, I can't remember, but it's only in the Dalish armor, which is supposed to be very light armor for you to move around in, but the breasts are pretty much covered. And then what I actually really love in Dragon Age 3, they actually make fun of the armor in Dragon Age 1. Because in Dragon Age 1, one of the few things that I hated about the armor was it has the separate boobs. And if you're running around with one of your characters, he will turn to another character in your party and go, I really like that you wear sensible armor because some women have the tits, like, hammered in. And you know that that's just begging for a sword to go right through your sternum.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) So what I do love is that Dragon Age does seem to be learning from their mistakes. It is a series that is willing to go, you know what? We screwed up there. We're going to fix that.
0: As opposed to saying, you know,
1: girl characters are too hard to animate. Yeah. Um, one of the big complaints with Dragon Age 2 was that they used the same maps over and over again. And they did. And there's no getting around that. I cannot defend it. There is no excuse there. They used the same maps for everything. And it gets really repetitive. I kind of understand where they were coming from, sort of, because it all happens in the same city, but not every house needed to have the same layout, guys. That was was bad. So in Dragon Age 3, I think everything is different. I haven't run into any maps that are the same. You have a very, it's not completely open world, but you have different sections of the world that you can travel to. You run around in these big spaces, and you can go into houses, and I don't think any house or dwelling is the same or any cave is the same so it's all very very different
0: okay so besides dragon age is there anything else in the the video game world that gets your attention or do you just kind of stay pretty brand loyal to that
1: um i am very brand loyal to dragon age in that i will probably continue to buy dragon age until they stop making it unless they really die Um, I have also been pretty hardcore about the Arkham games. I have done midnight releases for, I think, all of the Arkham releases. I show up as Batgirl to get my game. I've got the new one ordered. I'm a little nervous about this new one, but I'm also excited because we get Oracle in the new one. So I am excited about that. I mean, we've had Oracle, actually, in all of the Arkham games, but we only hear her voice. And in the last one, because it was set in the past, we got Barbara Gordon as kind of a teenager before she was Batgirl. But we're supposed to actually, I think, get to see Oracle because we actually got to see art of her. So I am excited to see how they do that. Um, I do like to waste time on Sims from time to time because it's, it's, it's The Sims. I think we, I think, I think almost every gamer plays The Sims to a certain extent, even if we don't like to admit it. Um, There's a little game called, um, oh my gosh, what is it now? I think it's Pandemic, where you play as a virus trying to kill off the entire world.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah,
1: it's really fun. Sounds like it shouldn't be, but it, but it is actually really fun. Um, I was playing the Knights of the Old Republic MMO, but unfortunately, um, I was playing it with my ex-husband and then after we got divorced I didn't have the heart to keep playing it but it was really fun and which shouldn't surprise me because it was a Bioware. I haven't gotten to play Mass Effect yet but I do finally have them all. I just need to actually sit down and play with them. Um, One of the otter games that I really love is Lollipop Chainsaw which is possibly the most ridiculous horrible game in existence. You play as a teenage cheerleader with this itty-bitty little skirt running around killing zombies. Well, I've seen the cosplay of it. Yeah, I mean, it is just fun, and it makes fun of itself nonstop, which I think is why I like it. One of your special moves is in certain areas of the game, you get to actually grab onto a stripper pole and swing around and behead zombies like that. It's horrible, but I love it.
0: It's, but it's self-aware and it's yeah. horrible.
1: I mean, it is making fun of itself. It is making fun of kind of the pervs because if you can try to look up her skirt and then she'll yell at you.
0: I know that um, uh, there was, a, you know, one of those cosplay scandals a couple of years back mm-hmm. when wore, uh, she wore, I mean, and she was like hired to wear the outfit and, and as far as I know, she made it um, herself but she was in the pink outfit which is like a full leotard but has like a huge cleavage exposure mm-hmm. and they made her change out of that and put on the cheerleader outfit considering that more modest
1: that's stupid i'm sorry i mean it's you know that the skirt logic. is so tiny i like i want to cosplay that and i'm scared to wear that little skirt <gasps>
0: And yet, you know, Ms. Caramel Vixen got in trouble because her skirt was too short at a convention. So it's just... There's no winning. Yeah. It's hard. No winning. You know, and it's usually they'll only, um, they don't like stop you at the door unless something, I guess, glaringly obvious. But usually they wait until somebody complains. And I think that's what happens in these cases.
1: Well, I think that people don't want to take a stand and go, no, her outfit's fine when they're... When, when they're dealing with someone who's complaining about an outfit. Um, now, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I have not had to work that aspect of a convention. But I, it is probably easier to go and ask the woman to change than it is to say, no, her outfit's fine. Leave her alone.
0: Right. And when PAX decided to ban uh, booth babes, I guess it was PAX, or some yeah somebody decided to ban bootface. I thought it was Pax.
1: I'm not. I'm not sure. I could be wrong.
0: You know, they left the caveat, which to me I do not support packs. But um, at least I agree with this. They left the caveat that if the character you are dressed as appears in a game, and you've gotten prior permission. I guess basically maybe I don't know if you have to send a photo of yourself beforehand or what. But if you are dressed as something that's going to be there, with the you know. The intention of celebrating that character, then you're allowed to wear it.
1: Yeah, I can't see me getting my cosplay pre-approved. I'm too lazy.
0: Well, and you're, you might also be one of those last-minute people who doesn't get it done until, like midnight. The day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because I've 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 seen your um your posts about sewing beads hand hand onto wedding gowns and things.
1: Yeah, I have definitely sewed on the way to conventions before. I have made other people drive so that I could hand sew. And I have sewn myself into costumes. Nice. Sometimes you have to get sometimes I need a seam ripper at the end of the day, but you know what? It stayed on, and that's all that matters.
0: It's just like in the real real world of fashion.
1: Exactly. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just need hot glue and a stapler.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, not the stapler, but the hot glue, yes.
0: Um, and you've also worked, though, the other side of conventions, not for the show, but as uh, a retailer. So when you did that, were you also in cosplay at the same time, or did you have to just go down a street clothes so that you could do your job?
1: Uh, Most of the time when I've worked for a retailer, it has been in various costumes. Um, Usually they didn't tell me what to wear. Usually, actually, I get picked. Or one of the reasons I'm picked is because I'm in a costume, um, or because I can wear a costume. Like uh, I will, quote unquote, booth babe for Victory Comics, which is like my favorite comic book shop ever, and you guys should go to them if you are in Fairfax because I love them. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I will work work for them. Um, one of the things that I do is whenever you ask me for a photo, if I am at that booth is I position myself so that in the photo you see the Victory Comics sign behind me.
0: Right. I do that at artist yeah. tables
1: too. Um, I don't think I've ever worked at a booth where I was required to not be in costume or where I was asked not to be in costume. Um, there are rules about what I can wear. Like usually I can't cover my face um and that's mostly just because I have bad hearing to start with, and so anything that covers my face makes it more difficult for me to hear the customer, so it's just not very practical um, but no i I don't think I've ever had to do street clothes
0: and did you have any harassment issues or comfortable awkward moments as a
1: retail worker? Yeah <laughs> <laughs> um. We had a guy who would not leave until I told him when my lunch break was. And I lied because I wanted him to go away. Sure. I can understand. Um, We had guys who would come up and stare, but actually being at the retailer seems to help because at least at the big cons, there's always someone else to help. Um, There's always another customer where I can be like, oh, yeah, yeah, excuse me. I have to take care of them now. Goodbye. Uh, And I've never been the only one at a booth. Um, Typically, I am working with people that I know. I am not cost famous. I don't get hired by strangers. I get hired by people who know me and who know that I can sell and who know that I'm very cheerful and enthusiastic. So, um we typically have kind of a nudge nudge where if i go over and step on your toe that means come and rescue me now god damn it <laughs> right. um so typically it's actually a little bit easier for me to escape in retail um i might get sent on a fake coffee run or something like that it, it, but you've you know
0: you they become aware of it and like you said you've got some some signals yeah
1: yeah i will you know kind of poke or or do a little pinch or Something, you know, I always want to do it discreetly because I just don't know this person and, you know, I don't mean to seem dramatic, but for all I know, they could become violent, you know, so I always want to be very discreet. I also don't want to make a scene because if I've got three other customers who are buying like Amazing Spider-Man over there, I don't want them to suddenly not buy, the per- not buy their comic. I want them to buy their comic. I just want to deal with Mr. Creepy Pants over here.
0: It's sort of like, I guess, a lot of preaching to the choir when we talk about what <laughs> Creepy behavior, because the the people that that say, "Oh yeah, that's really obvious." It's like, well, I know because the people that uh, you know we write these articles for and do these podcasts for are never going to listen to this or never going to read it.
1: Probably not. I mean, i I would like to think that a lot of the people who are doing this really don't realize that they're being creepy, and so I I I would like to think that. We may be planting seeds. It's probably going to sound really corny, but I have a life philosophy where we don't we don't see the results of all the seeds that we plant in life around us. Um, so I hope that by continuing to talk about things um, that, you know, a little exposure here and there, maybe someone will listen to us where, yeah, maybe it's preaching to the choir, but then because they hear us talking about it. Maybe they'll mention something about it to one of their friends, and their friend may not have an, oh my gosh, epiphany, but they'll start to consider, you know, maybe she looked awkward because I was making her uncomfortable. Maybe this is something I should think about And over two, three, four, five years. Maybe there'll be a little bit of a change. Or maybe I'm just really optimistic. (laughs) It's, you know, but it's
0: okay to be optimistic and be hopeful. (laughs) It is. I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to give up. So, I mean, once in a while, we all have those days. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have those days where we realize people just are not ready to learn their lesson today.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: they don't get their gold star. They don't get their cookie. It's just too bad.
1: But I do hope that even if I never see it, it'll eventually get there. Maybe they got a few steps closer. Because, you know, I know that there have been lessons that I was not ready to learn. And yeah, I've I'm right there a lot. lot so yeah
0: i've I've had to learn my lesson wow. absolutely wow. you know, and sometimes there are things that are invisible that we're not aware of. You mentioned that um your hearing can be an issue, yes. and with other people, it could be uh, some sort of other learning disability um, I was wondering if you would you know talk about any other challenges that you've had. Uh, Because you sound great today, and I know that you've mentioned that when you get nervous, you stutter, and you you aren't. You know, you're doing so great. So, um, you know, what kind of challenges have, you know, have comics helped you, or have going to the conventions helped you in any of these ways? I
1: would say that going to conventions has helped my self-confidence a lot. Um, And I don't really think that it's, you know, the attention of doing the cosplay, I know that there's this stigma about, oh, women only cosplay because I want attention. Um I got a lot of confidence being able to meet other female geeks and realizing that there are actually a lot of other people like me. We're not all exactly the same, obviously. But um finding out that Other people were interested in these things and talking and building a social network and some kind of support system gave me a lot of confidence Um, I've dealt with some pretty severe depression Um, I used to be a very heavy drinker Um, I'm actually in recovery now Um, I am over a thousand days sober so go me there um I am not sure that I could have done any of that if it was not with the support system that I built through going to conventions. Um, I definitely know that my stutter holds me back a lot. Uh, I get really nervous when I'm on the con floor about talking. I don't like to talk on the con floor. I like to talk to my friends. You've seen me at con. I love to talk to you guys. I love to... Meet people, um, but when it comes to the big groups and the idea of going up to a cosplayer that I don't know, particularly one that I perceive as cos famous or big cosplayer, is just terrifying to me. You know what could I possibly say to this person that they would want to hear? And I don't want to go up and be like, I like your outfit. You're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you're very pretty today. <laughs> no. um, and it it, it is, it, it's very nervous. And you know, you're saying that I sound great, but I've actually caught at least a hundred times in this conversation where I've stuttered and I just covered it up because I've been stuttering since I was in middle school, and I've done speech therapy, and I'm just really good at swapping words really fast, but it's, it's something I think about on a daily basis, and, you know, if you had asked me five years ago to do a podcast, I would have told you no way, no way in hell. I would have been too scared. I would have been too scared I would stutter, too scared that I would, you know, say something stupid, and... I'm just not now. You know, if I stutter, so what? I stutter. I'm, I'm a geek who stutters. What's the big deal?
0: I think that's a cool thing that we find in nerd culture. You know, it's not just gaming and not just comics. And stuff, but that, um, you know, everybody has their own, their own thing that they deal with. And chances are you're not the only one dealing with whatever that thing is.
1: When I first realized that there were other women who dealt with anxiety it was like this glorious revelation like wait you mean i'm not the only one who stands in a crowd and freaks out (laughs) and feels like the walls are about to fall in on me i there are other people where this is normal this is amazing let's go have ice cream together (laughs)
0: Yeah, and it's it, anxiety issues are. Um, it's sometimes really hard to explain how. I was just talking on the last show with a, a woman with bipolar disorder, and I mentioned to her the, the same sort of conversation about how when you get to a public event, it, you need to be able to just put that mask on and appear perfectly fine. Oh yeah, and you might be that moment like i get a I get a really good energetic buzz if I get to be on a panel discussion or something like that oh
1: yeah,
0: and, uh you know that's that sort of stuff excites me, but I'm still terrified at the same time. I'm more likely to like freak out one on one talking to somebody <laughs> you know oh, yeah. and 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 you never know when anxiety's gonna hit no. you like you just be sitting there trying to you know drink your coffee
1: I have. Definitely um, had moments where I had to do like a presentation for school and the teacher said that I looked calm, but behind my back, I had my hands clenched so tightly that I had imprints from my fingernails because I was shaking. I was just like, no, I will white knuckle this. I will get through this.
0: Yeah, I'm always. I always feel like there, you have to be able to see me sweating and shaking. Like, how are you not seeing
1: me sweating? Yeah, it's just and it's just like, what do you mean I look calm? This is not calm. I'm freaking out. But it it is a lot of fun to be on the panels, which makes absolutely no sense to me objectively. Because it's like I have severe anxiety. I don't like it. Well, not. I shouldn't say that. I don't have severe anxiety. I'm. I have like moderate, I guess. But um. Big groups of people staring at me is not always good for me, but when I'm on a panel, which hasn't happened a lot, but when I am on a panel, I'm just like, this is fun. Yes. And then afterwards I go into this thing of, oh my God, I looked dumb. Did I have spinach in my teeth? Wait, I haven't eaten spinach for a month. Yeah. (laughs) Have I had spinach in my teeth for a month?
0: Self-doubt. Yeah. Well, um, Before I let you go, I just wanted to get in a couple more things. Um, I I was wondering if you wanted to give your two cents as to what you think the biggest positive contribution to pop culture, like I, I mean, because you're in comics and gaming both. I didn't want to exclude one or the other, but what you think the the best positive thing happening right now
1: is? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I mean, obviously I want to fall to Dragon Age because yeah. I'm really torn there. Um The joke is that I live under a rock, so I am only just now watching the first season of um Agents of Shield. Oh, I haven't even watched it.
0: I'm like way behind. I'll watch it in 10 years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but um I'm 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 loving uh some of the strong female characters on there. But you know, I I <sighs> You know, this is going to sound really cliche to anyone who knows me. I I really feel like Dragon Age 3 has some of, has the strongest female characters that I have seen in a genre. And I know that not everyone's going to agree with me. And, um, there are, there is one character specific, well, two characters specifically who are very problematic, females, in the series, um, in, in that particular game. But the character of Cassandra, Um, really stands out to me as very positive. She's this big... Well, not big, but she's strong, she's tough, she wears sensible armor (laughs) the whole game. Um, She is a romance option. I don't want to give too much away, because it is a new game. But, okay, spoiler alert, guys, spoiler alert. Um, If you romance her, she will come to you and basically tell you that she wants to be courted with candles and wine and poetry and if you tease her about it she'll go well why shouldn't I you know she's not this one-dimensional character and then when you if you opt to do this you find out some things about her that you would not otherwise find out about her past and that a previous paramour was not someone you would have expected for her, I was actually very surprised to find that out. It's the only game I've played where I've romanced everyone, and I'm really glad I did, because you see actually a different side of these people than you would have if you hadn't, and it talks and you learn a little bit more about their backstory. Um, and the male romance that I am just absolutely besotted with, um Colin, is really the healthiest romance that I have seen in any of the games and the reason that this is important to me is because it's not this, you know, rape is romance thing. It's, it's, it's not a, I'm going to put you down. It's not a, I am weak. There, There are so many tropes that deal with women and romance and they drive me nuts, but I kind of deal with them because there's not a lot of options, you know? But when you get into this particular one, you get this guy who is amazed at what you can do, only tries to protect you, like, once out of love. And he has his own issues that you help him through. He helps you through some of your stuff. It's a really good example of that. And then you also do have the fact that you actually have gay characters that are just, you know, they are gay. And as trivial as it might sound, I love the representation there. Now, that said, it's not perfect. It is by no means perfect. We need to have uh, more racial diversity in the games to just start with. Um, but it, it it is a really good game um, in terms of what I think it's adding to pop culture because it's making these things more normal. The fact that we have a trans character and that when it comes up, nobody cares really. It only comes up in like two conversations when it is addressed. It's so he has a harder time peeing, standing up. Why should I care? Well, um, have you read bitch planet yet? I have not. I have actually not even heard about it. I would love to hear about it. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, well, this can go in your to be read pile. (laughs) Mine is ridiculous. I know. Like I said, I get, sometimes I get years behind on things. Bitch Planet is by, uh, Kelly DeConnick and drawn by, mainly drawn by, uh, Valentine Delandro, but there are, uh, guest artists that fill in every third issue. Like, (laughs) yeah, like all the threes. So, um, and those are those are like specific one shots that will be about character history. And Bitch Planet is uh it's set in a time when the the Senate or congressional government entity, whatever it is, um is composed of all men and non compliant women. Uh and this could be non compliant about anything. Like if you didn't clean the the toaster properly, um or you know, if you didn't say, God bless you and you know, your husband sneezed. Whatever it is. What if if your husband deems you noncompliant or any man, you get sent off to Bitch Planet, which is basically like a, a prison system uh, on on its own its own planet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so it's a really diverse caste and different uh, so there's different races of women, like I said, different financial backgrounds of women too, because um, you know, the rich women find out that their husbands can be assholes and send them off their view. Okay. <laughs> so, it's fairly a new series. It's, it's only a few issues in so far. But um, the first background story that you get in the third issue is Penny Roll. And Penny is this large black woman with like half her head shaved and it is, and it it's an amazing story, and it's about what it was like for her growing up with her grandmother and how she you know she loved to bake yeah and she just didn't like some of the rules like the like she would be making food for customers, and the girls have to talk about how uh they needed to count their calories and they split a cookie and their toilets like weigh them and tell them how much they need to you know they've overeaten or something. So uh Penny just kind of like freaks out because being obese alone is being non-compliant. You have to you have to conform in every way. So I love Penny's story. Okay. And um, so that's you know I think that's a great recommendation and I, you know it's an interesting way to say that that's positive. Yeah, because yeah. It's about <laughs> all this rebellious stuff. Okay. But positive that we're seeing, um, seeing such a, an extreme story being told in the first place. But the art is really awesome. There's naked bodies of all different sizes, shapes, and okay. colors. And the women have different abilities. So, like, there's some that are really athletic and some that aren't. And... Uh, you know. So we'll see where that goes.
1: Definitely. I will definitely check that out.
0: All right. And um so you are probably going to your same favorite conventions again this year on the right?
1: I am going to be at Heroes Con. I'm gonna be at New York Special Edition trying to get tickets for New York Comic Con. So we're gonna we're gonna hope there. Um I'm hoping to get a day at Baltimore at least. Um Going to Dragon, um, I may actually take Dragon out of the lineup just because it has gotten so big. It is, it is, I don't want to be annoyed about it being big because I know a lot of cosplayers are like, ah, it's too big, it's too big, it's too big, but it it has actually gotten to the point where it's so difficult for me to navigate the hallways. I'm finding that my cosplays are getting damaged just trying to get from my hotel room to the photo shoot. I never thought I would say it, but I, I do feel like Dragon is getting to be a little bit too big for me, at least for while I'm living here in, in the northeast. If I get to go back to the south, which everyone pretty much everyone who knows me knows I do harbor a deep love for, for the south and that I want to go back. Um but if if I get to go back to where the drive is, you know, four hours or less, then I will probably start going again. But right now it's it's like a twelve or thirteen hour drive it's really difficult. Um, but, uh, I'm, I also want to try to hit up, uh, some of the smaller cons in the Northeast. So I have definitely gotten to the point where I have like a hundred cosplays and I need to start going to more cons to justify their existence. I
0: hope, I hope that you can come and like share some of that at superhero weekend again. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. Oh yes, Superhero weekend. Best thing ever. So excited about it. Um, I am probably going to bring my new Rogue.
0: Fantastic. I saw that picture. It's very nice.
1: I am so excited about it. I bought that from um, Wiki. She's got uh a lot of cosplays. I, I am amazed at the rate that she makes and sells her cosplays because I'm just like, I got nothing. I do maybe three new ones a year. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing less than that these days. But yeah. I made a whole bunch last year. Um right now I'm sitting on the material to make a ball gown Batgirl that I'm gonna do for Heroes Con that I'm super excited about. I have a little uh misfit who's a, who's also wearing a, a little gown and we're gonna run around together. Very excited about that. Um I think I think that's it in terms of my cons this year. Oh no, I think I'm gonna I think I'm going to try to take at least one day for Awesome Con, I think. I can't remember what I requested all for. (laughs) But I do love Awesome Con. I go to a lot of cons. (laughs) I I basically go to as many cons as I can get time off and that I can get away there.
0: (laughs) I I have very limited experience with Awesome Con because I was only there for a, a couple of hours. And so basically it was a matter of getting in there um, finding somebody to help me find my way around yeah. and taking me up to Artist Alley where I only saw, like, a couple aisles and then I had to go. <laughs> so it's a, it was a limited experience, but I, I thought it, it was a very nice – it seemed like a very nice show.
1: It, it's, it's, I'm particularly mm-hmm. impressed with it because of how new it is. But – um. I did actually have a bad experience there last year, but it wasn't the con's fault. It was a vendor who decided that it would be funny to pull me over and shove porn in my face.
0: Yeah, I forgot that that was you. I remembered the story. Yeah,
1: um, I was dressed as Black Widow, and an artist called me over. And, you know, I don't think anything would have when when someone does that, because it's very normal for a vendor to want a picture of me or to just want to talk to me, or maybe they're just trying to sell me something. I don't know. All of these things are very common. (laughs) But so I go over and they shove this picture of not even a full woman, just pelvis and G string with the black widow symbol on it and hands down in the thong thing. And I'm just like, yes, that's very well drawn. You have certainly depicted that part of a female body. Well, um, and I don't mind porn. I am porn positive feminist, I guess. Um, but I did not want that in my face at this particular moment in time at what I thought was a fam, a fairly family friendly event. Um, could we not do that right now? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think, like, it, it's like the dick pics, let's face yeah, it.
1: Which, can't. um, oh, <laughs>
0: It's unsolicited. Unsolicited is not welcome.
1: No, no. I mean, it's like no. I did not want this at this particular moment in my life. If I had wanted it, I would have come over and looked at your adult only folder and opened it. Yeah,
0: and that's just it. Like we are, you know, we're we're women who who have absolutely all of the appreciation and love for other women and you know and men bodies, all the bodies we're fine with. It's just a, a level of appropriateness. Place and time, okay,
1: so. there, there is, in fact.
0: Place and time. time.
1: And these are glorious places and glorious times. And people should feel comfortable to express themselves in these places in time with their partner or partners, as many partners as you want. I don't care. Please don't shove it in my face randomly. That's all I'm asking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, I ha- you know, whatever. I hope that that never happens again. I hope uh, whoever that was got a firm understanding after the show
1: i i hope so i do hope so like i i did not call them out i think and and you know i should have but when that happens i'm always so shocked which is surprising to me because this sort of thing has happened to me multiple times so you would think that the shock would wear off but it doesn't as like like every time it happens anew it's like my brain is going really did you really just do this
0: yeah, you get a little too dumbfounded to to educate them.
1: Yeah, it's like why? Why did you do this? I what? It's like someone grabbing my 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 tush and I'm just like, "What? Just happened. This can't be real. This has to be a joke."
0: Yeah. If it's yeah, that's that's there are boundaries, folks. When you see and and maybe this is part of um what I see some people the signals that they don't understand. Uh, when you see friends doing yeah. that who have permission, that doesn't mean that everybody has permission. Just- I
1: mean, if you see me at a con, Amber, you are allowed to come up and grab my butt. <laughs> right,
0: and and I've and I've even asked.
1: Yeah. So. But but you have fairly blanket permission to come up and grab my butt. Yay, Joe Schmo I mean- or Sally May that I don't know, please don't come up and grab my butt, please. I mean, if you really need to touch me, like you have some sort of overwhelming need, at least ask me. Have discussion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could at least ask. I, I feel I don't know. I I don't know if I'd say yes, but at least if you come up and ask me, then maybe I could be like, okay, fine. You know, have We'd have more respect for you. Yeah, you, and, you know. <laughs> and 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 to be fair, um. I have had cosplayers come up and be like, hey, you are doing the female half of the couple that I'm in. May I take some familiar, well, may I take photos with you as if we were very familiar with each other? May I put my hands on your waist? Can I, you know, pretend like I'm smacking your butt? You know, stuff like that. Can we do a stage kiss? And I'm actually okay with that. I have actually held a stage kiss for like 20 minutes so that everyone could get photos. I am a fairly chill person. I, I you know, um, maybe it's because I do actually have a theater background. I, I don't like to be an actress or do a lot of improv, but for me, these staged things are not a big deal. They don't bother me in any way. So if you talk to me and it's part of a photo shoot and I can clearly see this part of a photo shoot, and you're not just trying to, you know, be a creeper, make creeper pants on me. I'm really chill. And, I'm, and, it's, and, and, and I treat it as if it were acting, I guess, for lack of a better comparison, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. But it makes a ton of sense to me. That doesn't mean it's going to make a ton of sense to other people out there.
1: <laughs> Actors in, in, in movies get, you know, they, they do the makeout thing and then they go home to the person that they actually want to be making out with. So it's it's not. It it's all about understanding where the boundaries are and knowing that you know, when when you hear "cut," it's over. You're not going to come and be all creepy on me. Excellent advice. <laughs> don't be creepy, guys. Just don't be creepy, okay? All right. Now, Kate, do you
0: want to share any of your uh, social media information, or no? It's up to you.
1: Um. Sure. <laughs>
0: You're, like you randomly tweet. It's not very often, no, but I. Um,
1: I sometimes tweet. Um, I don't even do, do. I even know my Twitter handle? I am such a luddite.
0: How you spell it all? I know it's Gamer Nation Girl, yeah. but uh,
1: okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all spelled out. Gamer Nation Girl.
1: I thanks to my phone. <laughs> I know that my Twitter is Gamer Nation Girl. I tweet more. I think during con season. Because I will do things like oh, I'm getting coffee. I'm going to Gail Simone's booth. I'm doing stuff. Um, but uh I am I'm actually on the Facebooks fairly often. My Facebook page is the Geeky Redhead, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um I it it is mostly a feed of silly cat pictures and gay rights and feminist stuff because that is me. <laughs> Then when we get to cosplay season, um, it it, it starts becoming more, oh my god, I met Stan Lee, and I'm wearing Mary Jane, woohoo! Exactly. And if y'all could see me, you would see that I'm like waving my hands and being a dork here.
0: I like your Mary Jane outfit, though. That's one of the cutest.
1: I love my Mary Jane. (laughs) I need to get my speech bubbles done Um, or finish. When I first started wearing her, I had problems getting recognized. And so I made these little speech bubbles that go on a headband that actually say, face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. And I wore those to go meet Stanley. And he laughed and said that it was cute. And so I can never stop wearing it now. (laughs) It is. It's super, super cute. Yeah. And I have a little plush Spider-Man that I carry around and I cuddle him, it makes me very happy. I, and then I have um, her wedding dress now that I made. So.
0: Right. But it's getting late and I will let you go because you have like studying things to do. Yeah. I feel terrible.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this is a lovely break from, from, my, from my very depressing studies. I, I do not study happy things, I study very sad things. Okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, but you have a gift for what you... Yeah. Hopefully. But
1: it is always good to talk to you, sweetheart. Thank you.
0: And we'll be in touch soon. Woohoo! Guys, don't forget that, speaking of Twitter, you can follow me at Elizabeth Amber, and everything else is at amberunmasked.com. And don't forget to please support the Patreon. And you just go to patreon.com slash amberunmasked. And if you have questions about that, you can always ask me. Feel free. I'll try to answer them. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.